This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, you are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. So, Lord, show us this morning as we open your word, just part of that great portion that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you turn now in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2 and verse, we're going to be uh, look again here at uh, these wonderful characters that God has preserved for us so that we can benefit from their lives and what they learned about God. So, Ruth chapter 2. And verse four, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, in our last study, you remember when we're looking here at Ruth, we saw that how this time 
here when Boaz comes and, and he addresses Ruth with the most comforting words that Ruth could ever have heard in her situation when, when it says in verse eight, then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean another's field, go from hence and abide here fast by my maidens. When we look at this scene in verse eight of Ruth in, in Israel, we've just gotta remember, this is a Ruth who is in Israel as a Moabite woman. And she's trying to find food. And we, what we see here in Ruth is she's in the most vulnerable situation of being among the Jewish people, being a foreigner, not just any foreigner, but a Moabite, who, which makes her an enemy of the Jewish people. And when we look at the scene in verse eight, of we, we see Ruth in Israel, a Moabite woman out alone trying to find food, and, and finding that she is being despised and rejected of men. There in verse eight, when we see Ruth here in Israel as a Moabite woman out there all alone trying to find food, instead of finding herself, finding food, she finds herself as a woman of sorrows and acquainted with grief. She just lost her husband. She'd gone through the grief of losing her husband. And there she is in Israel as a, as a Moabite woman out alone trying to find food and what she sees people doing to her and hiding, as it were, their faces from her, pretending she doesn't exist. And so in verse eight, with Ruth there in Israel, as this Moabite woman out there all alone trying to find food for herself, she's just understanding what it, was, what it will be like for the Lord Jesus Christ, who's described with these very words in Isaiah 53, three. The Lord Jesus, despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. So when it was time for Ruth to speak with the landowner, that uh, landowner here, here comes Boaz, very important person. I mean, Boaz, she thought, he's got every reason to reject me. She's got every reason to fear the worst. Instead, Boaz meets Ruth with the most comforting words that she's ever heard. Instead of hearing from Boaz that, look, I despise you, I reject you. Instead of hearing that, she hears verse eight. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? I mean, instead of hearing she's despised, she's rejected, he calls her my daughter. Ruth is expecting to hear words like, you horrible Moabite, get off my land. That's what she was expecting. And she's bracing herself to hear from Boaz but that what she's been feeling from all the other people since she's been around there. But instead of hearing those words of being despised and rejected, she can't believe her ears when he, she hears him call her daughter, his daughter, my daughter. I mean, Boaz could see in Ruth's face how she was expecting to be, uh, you know, despised, rejected. He says, my daughter. I mean, therefore, with these three words, with these three words, Boaz really puts an emphasis on the my daughter when he says, Hearest thou not? You know, those, those three words, just before my daughter. Hearest thou not, my daughter? In other words, what Boaz is saying, hearest thou not? You know, Boaz was saying to Ruth, Ruth, are you listening? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because I'm calling you my daughter. Did you hear that? I'm calling you my daughter. I'm calling you my daughter. Are you hearing it, Ruth? Are you hearing it when I call you my daughter? She's so surprised. She's so surprised to hear Boaz call my daughter. Totally unexpected for Ruth. We look at the scene here in verse eight. Uh, Ruth in, in the Israel in Israel there, the Moabite woman. She's out alone. She's very vulnerable, trying to find food. 
Instead, she finds the most comforting welcome of Boaz. We see ourselves in Ruth. We look at this and we see, I identify with Ruth. Color me Ruth. That's me in that picture. Because we know from our own experience what it's like to be separated from God by our own sins. Exactly like it says in Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2 where it says, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. That's all because of us. It was our sins. It was our iniquities that did that separation. And we know from our own experience what it's like to be separated from God. We know from our own experience what it's like to feel defiled, what it's like to feel stained with sin. And we remember when we were the outcasts, like Ruth the Moabite in Israel, we were the outcasts from God. We remember very clearly our personal BC days. We remember our before Christ days, before Christ days. And, and we should never forget those days. Should never forget those days. We, we, Paul says, don't you forget those. He emphasizes that in Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. In Ephesians 2, 11, he starts off by saying, wherefore, remember. He wants us to remember. Remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, we're told, remember those days. Remember our own personal, what the Bible calls in this passage here, time past, Gentiles in the flesh, time past. And then Paul goes through a specific list. He takes the trouble. He doesn't just sort of broad brushes. Oh, you remember where you were? No, no. He says, I want you, when you remember that, you remember specific things about your before Christ days in time past. In the time past, you were, and then he starts off. He says, you remember First and foremost, how you were without Christ. That's the first thing he calls us to remember on. You were without Christ. Those were days when we were 100% on our own. Those were days when we would never say, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those are days when we would say, I'm the strength of my heart and I'm my portion forever. Those were days when we were without Christ. Without Christ, without Christ for what? Without Christ to save us from our sins. Those were days when we were without Christ to save us from our sins. Those were days when we were without Christ to make us a child of God. Nobody is born a Christian. Nobody is born a child of God. Each one of us went through the days without Christ when we were not a child of God, without Christ to make us a child of God without Christ to guide us through life. We were our only guide playing dodge the bullet game. But those were days when we were without Christ to guide us. Those were days when we were without Christ to save us from our sins, to save us from our own inclinations, to save us from our own desires, to save us from our own bents of what we wanted to do. Those were days when we were without Christ who prepared for us a mansion in the Father's house. 
We didn't have a place of expectation. It was like, death was like, well, I hope. All I can do is hope. A vague, ethereal hope. No, those were days when we were without Christ, without the knowledge that he was preparing a mansion for us in the Father's house. Those were days when we were without Christ to bring us safely to heaven. Or as Johnny Cash puts it, uh, to not have to cross Jordan alone. Those were terrible days. Those were terrible days when we were without Christ. And only as we remember those days will will we be prepared to help the lost around us who are now without Christ. It's only as we remember those, we'll be able to take those little invitation to attend the chapel place and just say, look, this is an invitation for you to come to this this strange-looking building here on Mission Gorge Road. (laughs) It's not that, but this is an opportunity. But but, But with compassion to reach out and say, it's important you come because those were days when we remember we were without Christ. And then, and then we are to remember when we were like Ruth, the Moabite, alien in Israel. She was a Moabite alien in Israel. And we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That's what Paul says. You remember, don't you ever forget how you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Commonwealth of Israel. Those were the days when we knew that if we went into a church, we would feel like an alien, an alien from out of space, Outer space, so 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 out of the so out of it from the commonwealth of the church. When the church sings these hymns, we'd feel like an alien, so out of place. I got to get away from this place. This is a strange place. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're singing. That's not my place. A commonwealth of the church, the hymns. When the when the church would read the Bible, we'd feel like an, an alien, so out of place. The Bible, the commonwealth of the church. When we listen to Bible exposition or sermons or or strange people like me and feel like an alien, what am I doing there? Listening to commonwealth of the church. Those were terrible days for us. Those were terrible days for us when we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And only as we remember those days, consciously remember those days, are we going to be prepared to help the lost around us who are now aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We're to remember, third, we're to remember when we were like Ruth, the Moabite foreigner in Israel, when we were strangers to the covenants of promise. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Those were our days when we had no idea. What are you talking about? What is a person talking about when they talk about the promise of justification by faith? What is that? We were strangers to the promise of justification by faith, that promise. Those were our days when we had no idea when anybody would be talking about cleansing by the blood of Christ. As Gene said, how can red blood make something clean? We were strangers to the promise of the cleansing by the blood of Christ. Those were our days when we had no idea what it meant the promise of salvation by God's grace alone through our faith alone. I have no idea what you're talking about. See, those were our days. We were strangers to the promise of salvation by grace through faith. Those were terrible days for us. Those were days of darkness. Those were days when we were strangers from the covenants of promise. Only as we remember those days will we be prepared to help 
those around us who are right now strangers from the covenants of promise. That was the third. Number four, we're to remember the days when we were described as having no hope, having no hope. We're to remember those days. We're to remember those days when we had no hope. We are to remember the days when the best hope that we had was annihilation after death. It's all over. Or as my grandfather, the rabbi said, when you're dead, you're dead. He was dying, and it was in Petersburg, Virginia. And so there was a man, the Jewish man there. He started the only synagogue, which is still there today. And uh, he was friends with the clergy in the city. And so he was dying on his bed there at home. And uh, there was a knock at the door. They went to the door, and they said, who is it? He said, it's the Catholic priest. And everybody, the Jews there, there's the Catholic priest. Is there no end to the persecution? <laughs> Has it never stopped? He's, yeah. What does he want? He says, well, he wants to come and sprinkle you with holy water. You know, give you last rites. You give you last rites. Everybody's in further shock. This is the, you know, this is the Inquisition still going on. And so they all look to my grandfather in the bed there, say, well, you know, obviously tell him to, to leave. And my grandfather said, let him come in and do it. And everybody's in shock. All oh, the Jewish men there, you've been leading and teaching us all this time in Judaism. Why? They just looked at him. Why? And he turned to over him and he said, because when you're dead, you're dead. That's the best hope that the lost have. And that's no hope, having no hope. The best hope is annihilation after death. And we're to remember, we're to remember when we hopelessly clung to the belief because it's a belief system, the belief in evolution that teaches us that not only was there no God involved in our origin, there was no creation, but there's no God involved in our destiny. There is no judgment. There is no creation. There is no judgment. There's no God in how we started. There's no God that we're gonna stand before when it's all finished. We are to remember when our greatest hope was our religion called the hide me religion. The hide me religion, where we hoped that death would just hide us from God's judgment. The hide me religion is so clearly seen in Revelation 6.16. Revelation 6.16, where it says, where they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. That's the hide me religion. The hide me religion is to look at mountains and rocks and pray those words of Revelation 6.16 to the mountains and the rocks for them. Please fall on me, hide me from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The hide me religion is to look at the dirt next to a dug grave and pray to the dirt the words of Revelation 6.16 and say, fall on me and hide me from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The evolution belief, which is required for the hide me religion, means to have no hope, having no hope. Those were terrible days for us. Those were terrible days when we were in the state of having no hope. And only as we remember those days are we gonna be prepared to help the lost around us who are now having no hope. And we, we are to remember, Paul goes on further and says, of those days when we were without God in the world. That's scary. Without God in the world, you are on your own. 
You are without God in the world. It's scary. It's a scary place out there. Yeah. The world is a scary place, and it's no place for a person to be without God. It's a frightening description to be without God in the world. And when we remember, when we were there, we were without God in the world. We were in the world without God to turn to for instruction and for teaching and for guidance in life. As described in Psalm 32.8, you know, we've been talking about God is my portion, uh, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's a promise. That's a wonderful benefit. But other benefits of having God in the world, and there was a time when we were without God in the world, and we didn't have the benefit of Psalm 32.8, where God said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go and will guide thee with mine eye. He says, we were in the world without God to turn to for direction in life. Jeremiah said, I know it's not in man. It's not in man to direct his way. Man, 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 may, man doesn't have what it takes to direct himself. But there's a great benefit to being with God in the world. And God describes it, it's described for us in Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways, all of them, not just a few, all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. He'll straighten them out, the word direct. He will straighten your paths. We were without world. We were without God. We were in the world without God to turn to when we needed him to lead us into safety. We get into dangerous positions. We need safety. We've been talking about cancer that's coming up and heart failure and all these things failing. It's dangerous. We need God to lead us into safety. As it says in Isaiah 49, 10, they shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he hath mercy on them, he shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall guide them. You know what everybody repeats when they're in trouble? They want the hope of 23rd Psalm. They want the 23rd Psalm. But to be in God, to be, to be in the world without God, is to, is to be in the world without God to turn to for the truths of the 23rd Psalm. It's not a mantra, it's a confession. And so in Psalm 23, one through two, leading into safety, the Lord is my shepherd. To be in the world without God is to be not able to, is to be in the world without God to turn to, to say and mean and have the reality of the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In the world without God to turn to for the first three verses of Psalm 23. To be in the world without God is to be in the world without God to turn to for protection. Protection in life. Psalm 91 is a psalm of protection. Oh, the whole psalm from this beginning, and it starts off in the first four verses, sets the tone for protection. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, under the protection of the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.